scripture reading comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 4, and it's quick and simple. You ready? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So, this morning, we're continuing our Holy Habits series, okay? Holy Habits. If you remember, last week we talked about how to read Scripture, all right? How many of you tried that out this week? Anybody? A few of you. You can be honest, right? Okay? So, three easy questions, right? That's all it was. Three easy questions to help you read Scripture and hear God, all right? So, this week... Uh, this week we're moving on to the next thing, which is prayer. And uh, honestly, you had to know this was coming, right? If we're going to talk about holy habits and ways we're going to connect with God, the two ways that literally everybody knows how to connect with God or knows that they should connect with God is by reading their Bibles and praying, right? Those are always like the two things. Now we're going to have a lot more than those two because this is only week two out of like five or six. But it's pretty obvious these are going to be the first two. So last week, uh, I want to connect these two weeks for you really quickly before we jump into prayer, because last week we talked about Scripture, which is the Word of God, right? We talked about how do you hear God in Scripture? How do you learn what the voice of God sounds like? Okay, that's really the goal, because Jesus said that those who, who are his sheep will know his voice, all right? Well, the best way to know the voice of God is by a literal written word, something we already know God said, Okay, so last week in talking about scripture, we talked about how do we learn to recognize the voice of God in scripture. And so this week, as we pray, you'll find that hopefully as you're praying, you will recognize that voice of God as you pray, not just in scripture, in the literal written word, but also in your prayer lives when you are spending time listening to God. All right, uh, because prayer is supposed to be a conversation between you and God. And normally, conversations are not super one-sided. Well, I guess it depends on who you talk to, right? So, so conversation usually is a back and forth. It's I'm talking, they're talking. I'm talking, they're talking. But for most of us, our prayer lives are more like the laundry list where you're like, all right, God, here's the things I need you to do this week. I'll see you Sunday, <laughs> right? And we don't necessarily spend time listening for God. How do we spend time in prayer listening, and speaking at the same time in a way that our prayer lives then do not just become, hey God, here's all the things I need. <laughs> because we sing songs. You guys remember the hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus, <laughs> right? What a friend we have in Jesus. We sing that. We say, well, Jesus is my friend, right? But last I checked, the people who only call me when they need something are not people I count on my friends list, <laughs> right? And I'm guessing all of you have people a lot like that, Right? The second their name comes up on your phone, you're like, do I have time for that? I don't know, <laughs> right? So, so this morning, we're trying to not be those people with God, right? We're trying not to be the people who only come to God with our needs. So how do we do that? Well, lucky for you, the scripture tells us. Uh, because we have these verses from Paul, which are honestly, there's a bunch of verses that are almost exactly like this in Paul's letters, because Paul is very consistent. Paul has this devoted prayer life. He's this, this devoted relationship with Jesus. And so, in Colossians, he words it this way. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That's how he starts. Devote yourself to prayer. Now, if we're being honest, which we should be, church, right? 
You should not be lying in all places. This is not the place, right? You shouldn't lie anywhere, but especially not in church, right? So, so if we're being honest this morning, our prayer lives are probably part of one of the most undisciplined parts of our lives, right? Some of us, we come from places where prayer happens at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that's about it. Or maybe some of us, we pray over our meals at night, and that's about the length of our prayer lives. And yet Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, devote is essentially to pray persistently, to keep on praying. Which means that prayer is not just the little like three minutes that we spend at dinner and we thank God for our food and for our lives. We pray over our needs and then we go about our day. Right? That's where prayer becomes just something else that we do because we know and we feel guilty. We're like, well, God said I have to pray, so I guess I'm going to pray. Pray persistently. Devote yourselves to prayer. And that, that word, uh, which, which in some translations it says continue earnestly, and some of them it says continue steadfastly, that word, it means to persist in, adhere firmly to, and remain devoted, unremitting to. Right? It's this idea of dedication, that, that prayer is not just the, something we do in this one minute, but it's something we are continually doing. We keep praying, and we pray, and we pray. And in fact, there are ten times that that word, that steadfast word, is used in the New Testament, and four of them have to do with praying. <laughs> we pray, and we pray, and we pray. Pray without ceasing. Well, how do we do that, right? Because, because it sounds good to say that. We're like, okay, great. I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray all the time now. And then you're like, well, wait. How am I going to get work done? <laughs> if I'm always praying, how am I going to do other stuff? <laughs> and, and it comes down to our root idea of what prayer is. We think of prayer as this instantaneous, I've done this thing, check. <laughs> right? As soon as I say amen, it's like hanging up the phone. Like, all right, God, I'll talk to you later, right? And honestly, for me, this is why I'm actually really purposeful. In, in the mornings when I'm, when I'm doing my prayer time, and this is just a little mental trick, right? I purposefully don't say amen when I'm done praying in the mornings. Because there's something about saying amen that makes it like finite, like it's done. Like, all right, prayer is over. And there's something for me, and maybe it's just me, but it's a mental thing. And I know it is, but I'm giving you this little trick this morning, okay? By not saying amen in the morning, there's this idea that whatever I do after I'm done with that time is still prayer, right? The way that I live my life after that moment is still a prayer to God. The words that I speak to others is still a prayer to God. It's still part of my conversation with the Lord. Does that make sense? Right? So that might work for you, but this is what Paul's talking about. When he says pray persistently, he says keep on praying, right? Like this is not just a moment of your day. The way you live your life is a prayer to God, it's part of the conversation. And Jesus agrees with this. In Luke chapter 11, there's this familiar verse that you've probably heard. It says, Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. But those verbs, ask, seek, and knock, are in the present tense, which means it's an active voice, which means it would be better translated as keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Jesus doesn't want us to give up in prayer. In fact, he says the exact opposite. He tells us to be persistent. And in Luke 18, he tells them a parable 
which he describes this way. He says, to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, there is a difference between persistent prayer and a long prayer. <laughs> because when you're persistent in prayer, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're praying for a long time. It just means that you have developed a habit of prayer and you practice that habit regularly, right? When a moment of frustration comes up in your day, you're like, right? Instead of getting frustrated, instead of, uh, instead of blowing up, you have this moment instead where your response is just immediately, God, I'm going to need you on this one, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's those little moments throughout the day. It's, it's what is your first response when something is unplanned, what is your first response when you first receive bad news? What's your first response when you receive good news? Is our first response to pray or thank the Lord? Right? These sort of things are what help us figure out, am I praying consistently? Am I persisting in prayer? Am I devoting myself to prayer? And so Paul says, devote yourself a prayer. <laughs> Devote, right? This is, there's this idea of like of passion wrapped up in that, right? It means that my prayer life is not just this like perfunctory thing that I do because I feel guilty that I have to do it. That prayer is something that we are putting our heart and our soul and our minds into. You know, when we see Jesus praying, when we see Jesus praying in the Gospels, stuff was happening, <laughs> Right? There was a, a passion surrounding. In Luke chapter 3, at his baptism, while he's praying, it says the heavens were opened. Right? In Luke 6, right before he calls his disciples, it says he spent the whole night in prayer. And then in Luke 9, when he's transfigured and he's he lifted up, while he is praying, the appearance of his face becomes different and his clothing becomes white and gleaming. Right? There is something about praying from your heart. And then, of course, you think about Jesus when he was praying uh, leading up to his crucifixion. It says that he was, he was so worried, so fretted in prayer that he was, he was sweating blood. <laughs> right? There's this passion that is connected in prayer. And so devoting ourselves to prayer requires us to be passionate, not about praying specifically, but passionate about being in relationship with God. Right? You think about this in terms, of, uh, in terms of a marriage or in terms of a friendship. Right? My marriage would be garbage if I only talked to my wife once a week for four seconds. Right? My marriage would be in the trash can. We develop these relationships and these friendships. We develop them by constant communication, by constant back and forth. Right? It's, why, it's why friendships that are one-sided are kind of exhausting, right? When we're always the person who has to reach out, right? Because the best relationships are back and forth. People who care about each other mutually, back and forth. So, so what a, why do we not consider that when we talk about our prayer life with God? Why is it that with God, it's so easy for it to feel one-sided? For it to feel like, and sometimes it feels like we're the only ones reaching out, right? You're like, I pray all the time and God doesn't do what I want. But when we pray, 
and we're passionate about our relationship with God, what we're really seeking is not necessarily for God to do the things we want him to do. We're seeking just to be in relationship with God. Right? It's, it's, it's the question of, do we want God or do we want the things that God brings? Right? Do we want, do we want his gifts or do we want him? Because when we want him, praying consistently and passionately is pretty easy. Because God is consistent and pretty passionate about us. It's reciprocated. So we devote ourselves to prayer. To pray and pray and pray. But the second part of this, okay, we devote ourselves to prayer. That's the first part. The second part is that we pray in thankfulness. And Paul mentions this like again and again in his letters. This is a reoccurring theme. He says in Ephesians 5 that thanksgiving is the natural result of being filled with and walking under the influence of the Spirit. In Philippians 4, he tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything we should pray, giving thanks as we make our petitions. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he tells us that giving thanks at all times is God's will for us. So he says it over and over again. Expressing gratitude is part of our prayer. And part of the reason for that is it, it expresses our dependence on God, right? It's our recognition that the good things that have happened really couldn't have happened on our own. But it also gives us a humility. It gives us humility. And that humility in gratitude leads us to be more selfless. Right? When, we, when we in prayer, when we devote ourselves to prayer and we devote ourselves to being thankful in prayer, what we find is that our prayers become much more selfless. They become much more selfless. You look at Paul's prayer here. Paul is literally in prison as he's writing this letter. Right? Paul is imprisoned waiting for his death sentence. <laughs> he's just waiting. And what does he ask them to pray for? When he writes to this church, he doesn't say, pray for me to be released. He doesn't say, pray that I would, uh, pray that I'm going to break free of this prison. Pray that my life would be spared. Pray for me to heal. Nope. He says this in verse 3 and 4. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. See, Paul's prayer, Paul's prayer was not for himself. It wasn't for his family members, right? When Paul prayed selflessly, his only concern was to complete the mission God had given him. To make disciples, to, to, to lead people to Jesus. This is what Paul prayed for from prison. There is a selflessness that comes out when we pray for others. And I'm not telling you this morning that you shouldn't be praying for the sick. In fact, the Bible specifically tells us to pray for the sick. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be praying over the things going on in your lives. What I'm saying is that when you devote yourselves to prayer, when you, when you are thankful in prayer, you'll find that your prayers become much more selfless. They're less inward focused. And Jesus, he sets this example for us. You know, we, we know that, like, Jesus died for us on the cross. We know that. But in Romans chapter 8, it says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. In other words, even when he's all done, right, he has come and he's completed his mission, guess what's still in his mind? Us. <laughs> us. 
And so Paul wanted to be absolutely sure that the Colossian church, the Colossian Christians, understood what it was they were to pray for. It wasn't for him to be free. It wasn't for him to be healed. It was for people to know Jesus. And one of the most understood, one of the most misunderstood, the most misused realities of discipleship is that it's not supposed to be a selfish thing. We don't follow Jesus just for our own gain. And I think back to the story of Abraham in Genesis, where God tells Abraham that he's going to bless him. He's going to have, you know, descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, the sand on the ground. But he says, specifically, I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing to all nations. Right? It wasn't that God was going to work in Abraham just to benefit Abraham. It was that God was going to work in Abraham so that Abraham could be a blessing to somebody else. And in, these, in this prayer, when Paul prays, he's praying that he would be a blessing to somebody else, that their eternity would be shifted because of his prayer and his life. And how often is it that God uses us to answer somebody's prayer? Right? What if Paul had written this in, to the Colossian church? He says, pray that people would know Jesus. And they're like, okay, we'll do it. And then they, they pray, but then they don't ever tell people about Jesus. <laughs> right? We, we all, in some way or another, become instruments that bless somebody else, right? Think about it this way. If God is going to speak, okay, let's say, for example, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask God, God, I'm in need. I have a need. So God decides he wants to meet my need, and he's going to use somebody to do it because that's what God does. He uses people, right? uses people to meet needs. So here's the thing. Who do you think God is going to speak to to meet my need? God is going to speak to people to meet my need who are listening. <laughs> right? God is going to tell somebody who is listening to him, hey, Chad has this need that you should go meet. Right? So in other words, when you are praying and when you're listening to God, you're listening not just to hear the voice of God, but you're listening so that you might obey, right? So that you might be the answer to prayer in somebody's life. See, prayer is meant to be selfless. <laughs> it's not about us, right? It's about God and it's about being a blessing. Ultimately, it's to be, be useful in the kingdom, right? When we obey Jesus, we are useful in the kingdom. So Paul, he's always concerned about doing the will of God. Paul's always concerned, even in the way he prays, he's concerned about doing the will of God. And so he says, devote yourself to prayer, be thankful in prayer, and pray selflessly. And it sounds good to say those things. And you're saying like, all right, that's doable. I can do that. Okay. All right. But here's what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Because this is, I'm a preacher. I've been at this ten, over 10 years now. I know what happens. You're going to be like, that was great. And then you're going to leave here. And tomorrow morning you're going to go, what am I supposed to do? What was it he said again? Now, thankfully, we have the beautiful internet where you can be like, oh, I can just pull it up on the website and watch it again. Right? Because I know that you all love to watch my sermons over and over again. I know. So, so let me give you, that was a joke. Obviously, I don't actually expect you guys to go watch it over and over again. But uh, here's, 
here's, here's some things I want you to do. Okay, here's some things, some practical things you can do like today to get your prayer life in order. Okay, to give your prayer life a jump start. So I'm going to give you three things you can do inwardly and then one you can do outwardly. All right. So the three things inward, here's the first one. You need to examine your heart. Okay. Examine your heart because, because prayer, prayer is this relationship, this fellowship with God. And it's a direct reflection of our relationship with him. So because of that, it always starts with our hearts, right? Because if we're in love with God, our prayer life reflects that. If we're passionate about God, our prayer lives are passionate. Prayer begins in our hearts, right? Because the scripture says that what comes out of our hearts is the thing our mouth says, right? From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you speak in prayer started in your heart. So we need to know where our hearts are at. So we examine our hearts. Where is my attitude? When I'm, when I am praying, am I truly in love with God? Am I actually passionate about God? Or am I just praying because I don't know what else to do? <laughs> Where am I at? So then number two, logically, if you're going to examine your heart, number two is to examine your words. Because if prayer begins in the heart, it eventually makes its way out of our lips. It's why last week in our scripture reading from Psalm 19, he says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Right? Our heart and our mouths are connected. God hears the things we're saying. So what are we saying? If God is always listening and God, let's even put this out there. If God holds us accountable to the words that we say, what are we saying? What words are we speaking into the world? So we examine our hearts, we examine our words, and then finally we release our life. Because we can't expect God to take us seriously if we're not at least willing to participate in God's answer to our prayer. Right? If you're praying and you're like, all right, I have, uh, I'm struggling with depression, God. I want you to heal me. And God says, well, you know what? You ought to go get some counseling. And then you go, nah, no, thank you. You can't say God didn't answer your prayer. Right? You have to actually participate in the answer God is giving you. To your prayers. So can we, can we really pray for things and not participate? I don't think so, right? Can we pray for lost people to come to know Jesus if we're not willing to share Jesus? Doesn't really make sense, right? Can we pray for God to meet material needs of somebody else when, when we're perfectly capable of meeting them as well? We are perfectly capable of being the answer to their prayer, right? So we have to be willing to release our lives when we pray, So, those are my three things, right? Examine your heart, examine your words, release your life. And you're like, okay, that's great. How do I get started? All right, I'm going to make it super easy for you. You ready? 1%, okay? That's what you need to remember. I'm going to challenge you to start the first 1% of your day in prayer, okay? Now, for those of you who are not quick doing math in your head, that's 15 minutes, Okay? 15 minutes. If you spend the first 15 minutes of your day, technically, if you really want to get technical, 14.4, okay? 14.4 minutes in prayer when you start your day and you will have started your day with the first 1% in prayer, okay? So, so before we can work up to praying persistently and with thankfulness and selflessly, 
we got to start by actually praying, right? Some of us, our persistence in prayer is learning to pray in those little moments each day. For some of us, learning to pray persistently starts with learning to pray every day, just even once. So, 1%. Spend the first 1% of your day in prayer, the first 15 minutes. And when you do, I want you to devote yourself to it, right? Because that's what Paul said, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to it, which means it's not just like, all right, God, we're going to do this. And then, I don't know about you, I get the, like, the uh, prayer ADHD, right? Where I'm praying, and then all of a sudden, for some reason, I'm remembering that I need eggs. And then I think, oh, no, I was praying. I'm so sorry, God, right? So devote yourself to it, right? Sit down, and, and for some of you, what would probably be most helpful is to write out your prayers. Or... If you're by yourself or if your spouse knows what you're doing, you can say it out loud, right? I like to pray out loud because it keeps me on track. I get a lot less of the, the grocery list in my mind when I'm saying things out loud. So pray out loud or write it down either way, but devote yourself to it. Give yourself the 15 minutes that it requires to spend your first 1% in prayer. Spend some of it being thankful and spend it being selfless. Who is it in your life that needs to know the Lord? Who is it that, needs, that, needs, that has a need met? Pray for others as you pray. But 1%, that's where, that's where I'm asking you to start, right? I'm making it easy this week. 1%, 1% of your day, 15 minutes. Because what would life look like? What would happen if we really began to pray, right? We've seen bits of this with the Soak the City initiative, Right? I've heard all kinds of cool stories from people who were prayer walking streets, and, and all of a sudden they're thinking as they're driving down the road, I wonder if somebody's prayed over that neighborhood. Right? These are the things that Jesus wants us to think about. So we see just a simple act of prayer, just a simple act of prayer is so powerful. But imagine if you became disciplined in it, that you could truly call yourself a prayer warrior, somebody who is devoted to prayer in thankfulness and selflessness. Imagine how that would shake the world. And you might think, well, I hear people say this all the time. Well, all I can do is pray. That's all I can do. We, we look at prayer as a last resort. That's why I tell you to spend the first 15 minutes in prayer, Right? Because prayer is not our last resort. Prayer is the best thing that we have, right? We don't, we don't just pray. Prayer is it. <laughs> prayer is where it starts and ends. It's everything in the middle. That's why he says to devote yourself to it. What happens in our families if we begin to pray more? What happens in our church if we pray more? What happens in our own hearts if we pray more? 15 minutes. That's all it takes. 15 minutes to get started. Let me pray. Lord, we are so grateful for you this morning. We're grateful that although we fail to pray as we should, although we have failed to devote ourselves to it, we haven't been nearly as thankful as we would like to be, and we've certainly been selfish in the way that we pray. God, despite all of it, you don't stop listening. Your ear is always bent toward us, God. And man, are we thankful for that this morning. So we ask, God, that you would help us to be devoted 
and thankful and selfless in the way that we pray. Empower us as we spend the first 1% of our day with you. We ask, Lord, that it would not just be us talking to you, but that you would talk to us too. That as we spend moments in quiet, we would hear your voice. So as we begin that 1%, God, help us to examine our hearts and our words and relinquish our lives. Help us to devote ourselves to you just as we devote ourselves to prayer. Be with us this day in Jesus' name. Amen.